And if you didn't know and all these things were happening to you, you probably felt like your world was spinning out of control, like internally. And I know for me, that was the case. You're listening to the Shingles at 40 podcast, a podcast where we talk about this complex and fascinating thing called attention deficit hyperactive disorder, ADHD. Together, let's make a world that fits us, not a world we have to try to fit in. My name is Donovan Robinson, and I will be your host as we talk about living with ADHD, both pre-diagnosis and post, and how being diagnosed can actually be a gift, not a sentence. Well, we made it to episode two, and so far, so good. But I have to admit that making a podcast was not as easy as I thought it would be, Uh, and not so much the technical part, more so just wanting everything to be perfect, And if you're a person with ADHD, you know what I mean. I also need to apologize for anyone who listened to my last uh, episode where I said episode two would be up right away. That didn't happen. So for all of you out there that were waiting on the edge of your seat, for me to tell you why I called this podcast Shingles at 40, well, wait no longer. I'm about to tell you why. So earlier this year, around February, my wife and two kids decided to take a trip, which was our first trip ever, and also the first time our kids ever flew on a plane. And I believe my wife or myself found some cheap flights to Calgary, and we were going to go to Canmore for, for about a week. And keep in mind, my kids are two and four, so basically they grew up during COVID, my son just before, and my daughter right in the thick of it. I also just really started to learn about ADHD and was diagnosed about a year before. So there wasn't a lot that I knew. I didn't even know how to manage these symptoms. And also just to point out, COVID, the pandemic made a significant impact on mental health globally and especially individuals with ADHD, which is probably why you're hearing a lot more about this disorder. The stress, uncertainty, disruptions caused by this pandemic change routines, social isolation, increased anxiety, like it just intensified ADHD symptoms in people with this condition who may or may not know they had it. And if you didn't know and all these things were happening to you, you probably felt like your world was spinning out of control, like internally. And I know for me, that was the case. I had a few businesses that were significantly impacted by COVID. During COVID, we had our daughter We were planning our wedding. I call her my wife, but we're actually common law. We're actually getting married next year. But all this stuff was happening. I was also recently diagnosed. So I was on, I started to take medication and I was going through trials of medication. So at this point, just before we were leaving for this trip, I had an increase in my medication, which I think medication is great, but there there are some negatives to it as well. I had a rental property that wasn't going very well. I had some terrible tenants and and a lot of issues with that. And there was was a lot going on. And COVID really did a number on a lot of people, emotionally, mentally, physically. But there were a lot of positive things going on in my life. And so I, I felt a little bit guilty for feeling this way and just kept trying to tell myself, look, look what I got, look around me. Why? Do I feel this way? Just get out of it. But despite all of these issues, we decided to pack up and just get out of the city and 
head to Canmore, Alberta for a week. Definitely not the best time to be spending money, but looking back now, it was definitely the best decision we made at the time. Well, for me anyways, I, I hope it was for my family. I think so. As I mentioned before, I was given an increase in the dosage of my medication. If you don't know much about the medication for ADHD or, or nothing at all, what, it, what the medication that I take anyways does is it stimulates your brain, but it also increases your heart rate. And for me, it's been life-changing and amazing, and there's so many benefits, but it does come with some side effects, which we'll talk about in, in other episodes about medications coming up. But before we left for the trip, I started getting these bumps on the back of my arm, which were kind of painful, but weren't really anything I, I thought much of. You know, it's cold out, dry skin, could be anything. But then I started to get a little tiny bit concerned because I started getting this pinching feeling in my heart area, which at first I was like, okay, it came and gone. It was very mild, nothing to be concerned about. And the medication was increased, so I thought maybe it's just a little bit of a reaction to that, nothing too bad. And I wouldn't say I was taking great care of myself. I wasn't really working out. I would have a bourbon after work or, or late at night, maybe two, maybe a puff to calm the chatter in my head, which then led to eating ice cream or food that wasn't really great for me. And the thing about that, not only is it bad for your health eating that stuff, but what I was doing, I was eating it and then I, I would let my kids eat it because of, well, if I'm eating it, they should be able to eat it, right? Or I felt bad if I was eating in front of them. So they would start eating these things and it was just creating these bad habits for them but the day came we were leaving for our trip we're all packed up ready to go kids were excited so proud of them by the way they first flight they were they were awesome especially my daughter we landed in calgary got a rental car and off to Camor, which by the way was the first time i've ever been there it is so beautiful fell in love with it can't wait to go back we get to Camor, get to our hotel pinching feelings in the heart getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse so I was getting a little bit more concerned and now I started to get this pain in my back like muscle pain it was so painful still didn't tell my wife and this persisted day over day and just gradually kept getting worse we were about four days in when I could barely roll out of bed one morning my back was in so much pain this pinching feeling was consistent now wasn't going away so I decided I told my wife that I gotta go to the doctor I was kind of panicking at this time so we I went to Canmore uh, clinic they couldn't take me so we had to drive all the way to Banff so not knowing what was going on and thinking is something wrong with my heart or whatever it might be this was causing even more stress but got into the clinic I said to the person at the desk, I'm having some chest pains. I've been taking this medication. They increased it. So she checked me in about an hour wait and the pain was just getting unbearable. An hour and a, and a bit went by. The person at the desk says, Donovan, I get up. I go into this room, which by the way, was smaller than the closet in my office here. So tiny. The doctor comes in. I was probably about three inches away from them while they're talking to me. But she was great. She came in, said, what can I help you with? I explained 
that I was getting these heart pains and how taking medication, I was taking medication for ADHD. I said, I think I might be having a bit of a heart attack. She laughed and said, no, that's not a heart attack. But she wanted me to explain all of the things that were going on with me and, and in detail. Uh, but then she said, would you have a rash anywhere? And I said, well, oddly enough, I do have these, these bumps on, on my arm here. And so she took a look and instantly said, you have shingles. So my first thought was, whew, I'm not having a heart attack. But my second thought was, shingles? Isn't that something people like in their 50s or 60s get? You see these commercials with older people walking in the park, playing with their grandkids. You know, it's, it's not something us young bucks at 45 get, right? But the next thing she said was, what's stressing you out? And I don't need to go too deep into what shingles is, but you, you can get it from having a lot of stress or a weakened immune system. And for me, thinking that I was having a heart attack was, was causing even more stress along with all of those other things. Which actually is pretty funny because when I went to go get the medication at the pharmacy, the woman giving me the prescription, the pharmacist, she looked at me, looked at the medication, looked back up at me, looked back at the medication and said, with a little concern on her face, shingles? And I said, yeah, shingles. Wow, you're young to have shingles. I said, well, I'm 45, but yeah, I guess so. So after that inter interaction, I started uh, this 10-day treatment with the medication. And because of that, I, I stopped drinking and smoking weed, which, remember, I was smoking weed daily, and I would have a drink or two quite often. So needless to say, the rest of this trip, I was a bit on a roller coaster, and I'm really surprised my wife has stuck around after that one. And so that's where the reference to Shingles of 40 podcast came from. But for me, it was really a significant moment in my life. I did get diagnosed prior to this. I was on a path to learning as much as I could and trying to manage this disorder. But even just looking back on my life and thinking about moments in my life that this really did affect me as a kid and knowing that you know could this be something that could happen to my kids and there's just so much emotion that came with that and I did open up a lot more to my wife uh, on this trip and I did get, get emotional I don't know if she uh, enjoyed it as much as I think uh, this has been um, impactful but I'll give her props she listened and gave me feedback and support and which she always does and uh, I have uh, such an amazing wife and uh, I just want to thank her for uh, having to go through this with me and I know sometimes I talk her ear off which is another reason why I wanted to do this podcast so that you know if she wants to listen and learn she can listen to the podcast without me having to uh, tell her every new thing I learned uh, immediately after I learn it I can tell the world and she can listen but also not drinking or having um, any other substance of that type in my in my body 
which I've done that before in the past, but I never, I was not diagnosed. I didn't know really how to manage this stuff, but doing that and then also learning a lot about myself and how to manage this stuff instantly, for the most part, stopped me having any type of craving to have a drink or to to eat the way I was eating or all those cravings kind of you know not completely went away but they were considerably reduced and it was because I was finding other things to create that dopamine that were very positive and it were it was things like spending more time with my kids and doing fun things with them uh, exercise and just this constant learning new things every day about ADHD or, or whatever it was and just that education was creating that dopamine and the crazy thing was I didn't crave the ice cream as much as I did and I actually craved salads which was crazy like I I wanted a salad I wanted to make a salad and eat that which was like ah, salads before in the past and for me this happened quite quickly I, and again, everyone's different and everyone has different experiences. And so this could happen to somebody else and, and be completely different. Uh, so it doesn't mean you don't have ADHD or it doesn't mean that you can can do that and it's going to help you. you. You just have to try and do the things that work for you. And you can't have somebody else tell you that this will work or this will work because it's really what's going to work for you. And also having this disorder and you being the one to create those things that are going to create those fun dopamine things is also creating dopamine because it's it's being creative and you coming up with these ideas not someone else telling you you need to do this because that is another trait of ADHD which actually has a term and it's called demand avoidance so you may find it challenging to carry out demands, even if you want to. Even if you're doing it and somebody tells you to do that thing, your brain is going to tell you you don't want to do it because someone told you to do it. And the other crazy thing is you might actually go through great lengths just to not do that thing that might actually take even more work than it is just to do that thing. Yeah, I know. I It's, it's hard to wrap your head around that this is how your brain works or the person you know who has ADHD this is what's going on inside our heads and even knowing this stuff and knowing that okay yeah I, I do this this is what's happening it's still hard to think why can't I just not do that why is that so challenging just being diagnosed with this disorder comes with the unpacking of your entire life if you have been diagnosed especially as an adult and you look back on your life and you are kind of like ah that makes so much sense but the emotional impact of that and knowing that you could have done something differently or just knowing why these things are happening I started uh, reading a book called Scattered Minds, which if you want to understand what it feels like to have ADHD, if, if you don't, or if you know somebody who has it, or 
especially if you suspect your your child might have it or if they do have it and you really want to know what's going in uh, inside their head the first chapter of this book uh, was basically a biography of my life and there's a part in there where somebody mentions what is it like for a child to have ADHD and the scenario is put a child in a room with 50 people talking at the same time and then ask that child what that person said and of course the child is is not going to remember or know who was talking in that moment and that's what's going on inside your head quite often i mean that's one scenario or one type of feeling but that's constant and there's a hundred other things that are going on at that same time and this carries on into adulthood and especially if you're undiagnosed it can just cause a lot of problems and if you don't know this is what's happening you're really fighting an invisible battle and so this book scattered minds and i i don't know if i'm going to say uh the author's name right but gabber mate a doctor also had this disorder and there's i'm going to play a, an excerpt from this book and it kind of just walks you through the day in the life of somebody with adhd the distractibility fosters chaos you decide to clean your room, which typically looks like a tornado has just passed through. You pick a book off the floor and move to replace it on the shelf. As you do so, you notice that two volumes of poetry by William Carlos Williams are not stacked side by side. Forgetting the debris on the floor, you lift one of the volumes to place it beside its companion. Turning a page, you begin to read a poem. The poem has a classical reference in it, which prompts you to consult your guide to Greek mythology. Now you are lost because one reference leads to another. An hour later, your interest in classical mythology exhausted for the moment, you return to your intended task. You are hunting for the missing half of a pair of socks that has gone on furlough, perhaps permanently, when another item of clothing on the floor reminds you that you have laundry to wash before the evening. As you head downstairs, Laundry hamper in arm, the telephone rings. Your plan to create order in your life is now doomed. Now, minus uh, consulting my book on Greek mythology, this is pretty accurate. Now, you might hear that and say, well, I've done that before. But this is a constant, every second of the day thing that happens. So imagine trying to do uh, just a simple task with work or school or anything like that and this constantly happening and not knowing why this is happening but then learning about this and and knowing why it's happening then it takes a lot of extra work just to be able to manage this stuff use a lot of extra brain power so since that trip i i didn't drink and there was a time uh, we had a few people over planning our social and i Oh, you know what? I'll have a couple drinks. And it was great. I, you know, I had fun chatting, wouldn't shut up as usual. And uh, it was fine. But the next day was the worst experience. I, I didn't drink a ton, I didn't think, but I had enough. And I was just useless the next day. 
And the heartbreaking thing for me was that the time I get to spend with my kids, the time I get to do stuff with them is limited. They're in school all week. We do get a bit of time at night when they come home, but it's it's not a lot. And so those times I get with them, it's not it's it's not a lot. And so just knowing that I missed out on a day with them and just being kind of grumpy and things like that really just threw me off of ever really wanting to to have a drink again and not saying that I never will it's just not something I I crave or feel like I need and that was never the case and there's a lot of factors that really changed the way I look at myself and and how I manage my days and again it's it's hard I, I have to do a lot of things in the morning uh, now I set up my stuff for to make the kids breakfast in the morning I get it all out the night before I get my shoes my gym shoes ready and headphones because if I don't do that and I wake up in the morning and I can't find anything I go through this stress mode and I get grumpy and it then it kind of takes a toll on the rest of my day and I, I just saw something recently that I thought was quite interesting um, about especially with people with ADHD but I think it could probably relate to anybody in general but what you do at the beginning of your day to get that dopamine release is probably the thing you're going to do throughout the day to get that dopamine release and so if you look at your phone first thing in the morning your brain is constantly throughout the day going to want to go on that phone to release dopamine if you get up and you do some exercises or you do something positive to release that dopamine your brain will try to find that thing and so i find i found that to be the case so if i get up and you know do a bit of mobility exercises or or something that's or read an audiobook or listen to an audiobook or listen to music my brain will want to do that for the entire day instead of going on that phone uh, to swipe through TikTok or, or Instagram. I mean, my entire life felt very chaotic. Even, even you know, from the outside, it might, I might have looked fairly normal. But looking back, it was, it was, it was a constant battle in my head, of sit still, don't interrupt, try not to talk try to pay attention don't look away when this person's talking to you like this is constantly thoughts in my head 24 7 i think even in high school or, or school in general that was so difficult because you're sitting in a row you have to pay attention to the teacher and it was really really difficult and you just wanted to jump around and shaking and talking and it was it was so hard to just be calm and I also want to give a shout out I know I talked about a teacher in my first episode who made a big impact on me Mrs. DeLong but I also want to give a shout out to another teacher that I really don't think I gave enough respect to at the time and looking back he was definitely a teacher that instilled confidence in me and I know I would try to see how far I could go with him and he was always so calm and this is Mr. Bretch and Mr. Bretch was so patient I mean I was not an easy kid 
and he would always get me to do these projects or things. It was an audio video class, I believe. And he would just let me do whatever I wanted. It wasn't, um, there wasn't any strict guidelines. It was just go shoot stuff, go do this, go do that and have fun with it. And I kind of, at some point, I probably thought he was just, didn't want to teach and just like, (laughs) just take the easy way out. But looking back, he was allowing me to do the things I enjoyed and discover what I wanted to do and be creative and be a critical thinker and knowing how intelligent this guy is. And I, I'm actually friends with his one of his sons and they built this house. It's on the highway going into Dryden. They built this house with hand tools and he had his kids helping him and doing this and his kids are are some of the smartest most talented people i know and he instilled that in them but he also instilled that in me and i was able to do a lot of really fun projects that carried me into college and it was a creative outlook and it looking back it was probably one of the classes that helped me understand a bit more about myself even though I still was struggling with a lot of these things that I didn't know I had. I did find that those things that I was doing in that class were exciting. And I think that's where when you find the things that keep you motivated as a person with ADHD, you're going to do them better than anyone else, or at least you're going to hyper-focus on them. And ADHD is also situational. So because you see someone excelling Uh, in one area and they may have ADHD but they're lacking in another there's this assumption that they're just being lazy and they don't want to do that because they only want to do the fun things but it is a real struggle to do those things that aren't keeping you motivated or allowing you to create that dopamine much more than somebody that is a neurotypical person and you have to work a lot harder which causes a lot more brain power which causes a lot more fatigue And that is why doing a lot of those type of tasks can lead to the ADHD burnout. And it's really hard to get back from that because it is wires in your brain. It is a disorder that is creating something that can be very detrimental and can be harming to your health, both mentally and also physically. Something that I heard recently uh, was the power of pause. And so creating or just knowing that when something is going to happen, when you're feeling these emotions, you need to try and pause. And it's, it's really hard, but pause before you assume, because I've done that so many times where I've reacted over text or emails. And again, everyone's probably experienced this, but I, when it happens constantly on a day-to-day basis, it becomes a problem. But pause before you react. Pause before you judge. Ask more information. Don't give in to the pressure of time because that's the other thing is we feel like time is an issue. We feel like we need to get this out right away. We can't wait. And if we wait too long, it's going to be gone or whatever might happen. So that's another part of this. This perception of time is just so out of whack for people with ADHD. 
And I'm not sure if it's just because I am immersed in this learning about this disorder, but I do see a lot more people talking about it. And I think that it is becoming more aware. People are getting more diagnosed and the people who are getting diagnosed with ADHD are like, oh my God, this is what's happening. And they want to share it to the world and they'll, they're not lazy. <laughs> We're not lazy. And we want to tell everybody, we want to learn as much as possible. And to be honest, it is so intriguing. I learn something new every day and it's like, oh yeah, that's what I do. Or that's crazy. So I cannot get enough of this. I cannot stop sharing this stuff. I can't, I want to pack so much into these episodes and I know that there's going to be more episodes. Don't try to just tell everyone everything that I know right off the bat. There's time, but I don't feel like there is. I feel like everything I've learned yesterday, I want to put here. Everything I've learned over time needs to happen now. And I'm trying to really understand that that doesn't have to be the case. I can talk about this in the next episode. I can share things in the future. You don't have to know everything now. And if you want to know more about it, there's so much, there's resources out there that you can, you can find. But things that we can talk about in the future, are just the character traits. And a lot of these things can be diagnosed incorrectly as depression. It could also be depression, it could lead to depression. There's rejection sensitivity, hyperactive brain, lack of dopamine, persistent masking executive dysfunction we have a really hard time managing tasks and understanding when we need to do things or prioritizing them because doing laundry is the same as landing a six-figure deal i mentioned about the child in a room with all those people but for me i thought that was normal i have five different conversations going on in my head at any given time. Even now, I'm thinking of two other things that I need to do while I'm trying to do this podcast. And I remember before I was diagnosed, having a conversation with my wife and said, do you hear these voices? Do you hear multiple conversations in your head while you're just sitting there in a quiet room? And she's no. It's like she can sit in a quiet room and, and not be affected or be calm and for me it's anxiety I need something to take me take my mind away and so that's why a lot of people will have a drink or smoke weed or do those things to just calm your mind I also thought this was fairly normal and recently found out that this is actually a trait of having ADHD but I don't know if you remember the Truman Show with Jim Carrey where he was on a reality show, but didn't know. And so all these things were happening. And I used to think that that maybe was my life. I always thought that I was in a show. I was in a reality show and people were watching me. And sometimes I still think that might be the case, but I'm not sure. But I would always think that that was happening. And it was just kind of weird, but I thought, I was normal. I thought other people thought that way. There was a show about it. So I'm assuming it's very common and it is actually a trait of people with ADHD. So if you have it and this is something you think about, it's not what everyone else thinks about. Uh, but yeah, 
used to have this analogy that I tried to explain what it was like to have ADHD and it was there's a 3,000 pound rock and you're trying to push that rock and the more you try to push that rock you know people know that the rock's not gonna gonna go anywhere but you're trying to push that rock you really want to push that rock and you just get more exhausted and I've changed that analogy because the rock is a 3,000 pound rock you know you're not going to push a 3,000 pound rock and other people know you're not going to be able to push that rock. So you trying to push that rock is very obvious that it's not going to happen. The analogy that I use now is that it's probably a 10-pound rock. But that 10-pound rock is connected to a 40-foot pole in the ground that nobody can see. And that rock's not coming off this pole. And you're trying to push this rock. You don't even know that that pole's there. You're trying to push this rock as hard as you possibly can. And you're just getting more exhausted and it's it's harder and harder to do and you're like why can't i push this rock it's only 10 pounds and everyone around you is thinking the same thing just push the rock why can't you push it's a 10 pound rock just push that rock but that is what it's like having adhd is and especially undiagnosed because you don't know why you cannot do this simple task you don't know why you cannot push this 10 pound rock but it's not going anywhere and you're just getting more exhausted and you're getting more frustrated and you're getting more angry and everyone around you is looking at you like what's wrong with this guy he can't push this rock and you know that's what it feels like uh when you're trying to do stuff when you have this disorder but knowing that there's this 40 foot pole underneath that rock kind of gives you the sense to say to everyone else hey, I'm not going to be able to do this. There's a reason why. But there are going to be scenarios and times when people with ADHD are going to be able to push that rock when nobody else can, can or at least hyper-focus on pushing that rock and getting the job done. It was 1989. It was my first summer job out of college I was going to school to be a graphic designer the company was called Alex Wilson Colstream and I went in for the interview and the person interviewing me asked if I knew how to build websites I had no clue how to build websites but of course I said absolutely and so he hired me on the spot and I was to work the next day I went home panicking and my dopamine levels were through the roof and I spent the entire night trying to learn how to code websites, which I'm pretty sure I didn't really understand it after this anyways. But I spent the entire night trying to learn. And this was 1999, so internet wasn't that great. I'm pretty sure we were still using dial-up modems. But I was able to get a basic understanding of HTML. I went into work the next day panicking. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Ended up starting on Dreamweaver, which was a program at the time that I think it still exists, but it, it allowed me to actually do this project a little bit easier than I thought. Didn't really need to panic. Uh, but the one thing that we used Photoshop when I was learning in school, and they only had this program called GIMP, which was like a very basic version of Photoshop. And I also didn't know that websites needed to have images that were lower than 300 dpi and if you're not familiar with those terms it's just 
a resolution you use for print, higher resolution files. And I was using that because that's what I was trained in. I was using that all my files were 300 DPI online. And this was in the time of dial-up. So imagine you could probably go on that uh, website Time Machine to see it. It's terrible. But it was the slowest loading website ever. I thought it was quite well designed. It was pretty, pretty funny, pretty cool. But it was not functionally good. So yeah. I pushed that rock. I'm not saying I, I pushed it well, but I was very creative and I figured out how to at least move it a little bit. And there's so many stories I want to share and just find out more information. And that's going to happen. I know I don't need to pack it all into this episode, but I do want to just say a couple things before I end this one. And that is... Doing this was was challenging in a few ways. Technically, I think I did an okay job. I'm not gonna say it's the best, but I'm gonna say it's okay. The other thing is, you live a life where you're always questioning yourself. You're not knowing if you're doing the right thing. You're not as confident as maybe you should be. And even this, doing this was challenging in the sense of, I'm gonna put this out there. There's people that are going to hear this and they might say some negative things or ask me, why are you doing this? Why are you sharing this? And, you know, I still think think that way uh, to some extent. But, you know, I want to give the best possible life for my children. And whether it's sharing this with the world or making myself a better person for them and learning about how I can help them and other children or other people with this disorder, that to me just gives me enough confidence and pride to say, keep going. And I said this, I believe I said this in the first episode, but if I can just help one person or touch one person and make an impact on one person's life. That's all that matters, right? But this also allowed me to look back on all of the people that made an impact on my life. The people who changed my life. And while I was working on this episode, a good friend of mine passed away. He had a fairly long battle with cancer and he was my high school coach coach Bartlett and it's gonna be a little tough to get through but if I could choose one person that has made a significant impact on my life it would be this guy and I actually didn't realize how big of an impact he made on my life until I started learning about ADHD and my diagnosis and all the things that came with it and then looking back on my life and I talked a bit about having trouble in in public school and then moving into high school and really just wanting to fit in and the thing that changed my life was trying out for soccer and the coach was Andrew Bartlett and I was not a confident kid. 
I didn't think I was overly great at sports, and I made the cut. And this guy was dedicated to sport, dedicated to coaching. He did this year over year over year. He did this his entire life. And the friendship that came out of it was amazing. But the confidence that this guy gave me was something that I cannot thank him enough for. The friendships I was able to make because of the connections that he allowed me to make, I can't thank him enough for. He was there for my first goal. He put me on the field when I was just a rookie, when we made it to OFSA. He also saw enough in me to make me the captain of the high school Dryden soccer, soccer team, which the confidence in that alone was, was great, and he saw that in me. And I did not get to say goodbye. And I, I don't think he knows how much of impact he made on my life, but I'm pretty sure he made that same impact on hundreds of kids' lives. And this guy is somebody that, hands down, is at the top of my list for somebody who significantly made my life better. Significantly. He taught me so much. He made sports so fun. We continued our friendship and uh, and athletic relationship into men's league where we, we played uh, on the same soccer team for years. And we kept in touch, and maybe not nearly as much as I would have liked to. And I remember talking to him not too long ago, just asking how things were. You know, this this thing just took a toll on him, and, you know, cancer's a, a shitty thing. And... You know, I just, you know, I, I, I wish I had that time to just tell him how much he did mean to me. But, coach, I'm, uh, I'm coaching my son's first soccer game in about a week, and that's partly thanks to you. Uh, and I, I want to dedicate this to him. And if you were lucky enough to be coached by Coach Bartlett, you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you who were lucky enough to get be coached uh, when I was being coached by him, you'll get this one. But bring it in, guys. Ka-ching.